It was a very Merry Christmas for Celtic Nation as Boston smoked Los Angeles at Crypto.com Center, silencing doubters along the way. What did Cap and Guillermo get for Christmas? And why it's much too early to celebrate anything as we prepare to flip that calendar to 2024. Pour yourself another eggnog. This holiday edition of Lucky's Lounge is next. After a perfect homestand, the Celtics go on the road and deliver a perfect Christmas, vanquishing LeBron James and the Lakers. Good morning, everybody. Captain Ron Flanders here with Guillermo Diaz. It was the best Christmas ever, Guillermo. Man, what a Christmas. Great Christmas this past year in 2023. Love it. You know, I I knew something good could happen when LeBron James was telling everybody, I don't care about this game. I just want to make sure my daughter has a good Christmas. But I also knew that that, as usual, meant LeBron was going to bring it. He was going to, if he won the game, the Lakers won, he would be the all-time winningest player on Christmas. He was to pass Dwayne Wade. The Celtics started extremely hot, hit some bumps in the second and third quarter, but they pushed through. And yeah, it was Missoula ball, but it was really a lot of grit. It was a lot of fight against Anthony Davis in the paint. And uh, they won this game not by shooting threes, but by taking it to the rack and getting to the line. Kristaps Porzingis coming up huge, maybe his biggest game as a Celtic with 28 points. I think he had 10 or 11 boards and, and blocking LeBron James a couple of times at the rim. What a game for the unicorn. And he really showed why he is so critical for this team. Yeah, most definitely a team effort. I mean, eight steals, seven blocks, led in rebounds by one, only eight turnovers, 31 assists, just great team ball by the Celtics overall, shooting 51%. Um, Everybody chipped in. We had six players in double figures again. The starting five all had over 18 points. I mean, it was just beautiful to watch on Christmas. If we're being honest, and this is not a knock at, at some of our listeners in California, we have a lot of listeners in California, a lot in Southern California. Most of them are Celtic fans. There's a couple of Celtic haters that like to listen to the show and, and just, you know, needle us as appropriate. If we're being honest, the Lakers right now just aren't very good. You know, they, they did put up the banner for their little meaningless tournament. And actually, I think they had another banner ready to put up had they beaten us on Christmas. <laughs> um, fortunately, that champagne got stowed away quickly. But this team is not as good as the Clippers or the Kings or the Warriors, probably. Um, in fact, after the game, there's rumblings that LeBron isn't happy. I'm getting a deja vu feeling about the Lakers, Guillermo. I'm feeling like this, this team of players that they signed, I mean, they had this great offseason, but LeBron James isn't happy. And when LeBron's not happy, changes are typically made. And, and I see the Lakers, I mean, Anthony Davis was amazing on Christmas. So they have enough if they just make one or two moves to get back into it. But uh, this was not a signature win in the sense that we beat a dominant team. No, and... I mean, the Lakers are two and six since winning the IST championship. And as you said, they've been struggling. Uh, 
We know that they kind of reloaded this past offseason by bringing back most of their guys, Hachimura, Reeves, Russell, um, and then adding Vincent, Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes. And a lot of my friends who are Lakers fans, they said they were the deepest team and they were going to be a gauntlet. And I have not seen the depth and I have not seen that team be a gauntlet, gauntlet out west. Um, so they are struggling, and I think it. Although the margin may have not shown, I think it was the easiest win of this road trip for the Celtics. I would have to agree, but but I'll tell you, there was a point there in the third quarter where I thought we were in real trouble. Anthony Davis, I think, had forty in this game. Torian Prince had one of his best shooting games, splashing from three. Um, you know, the Lakers had this new lineup that they put out there. This was their second game, and they took care of OKC in Oklahoma City with LeBron having a massive game as the point guard. LeBron was a point guard on Christmas, and he was looking for his shooters. Prince had a big game. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell came off the bench, and, you know, this is a guy who says that he idolizes or looks up to Derek White. What a prophetic statement that has turned out to be, by the way. But White was scoring pretty easily over Peyton Pritchard. And, you know, there we were in the third quarter after having an 18-point lead at the beginning, and we were suddenly losing to the Lakers. And, listen, no matter what he said, LeBron wanted this one real bad, and it was very clear. Yeah, I never got worried in the game, even though we went into halftime only up 1.58-57. I was never really worried about the game. Yeah, it was another second quarter woe that the Celtics have had throughout the season. But just looking at the scoring pace, I knew that the Lakers weren't going to be able to keep up with the Celtics scoring, especially with everybody out there and being fully healthy. I knew they weren't going to be able to keep up no matter how many threes Torian Prince was draining. And with the new lineup for the Lakers, I mean, having Vanderbilt and Reddish start with Davis and Torian, I mean, Reddish and Vanderbilt are really just kind of defensive-focused guys for them. So they're not going to get scoring from them. And even, again, my buddies who are real Lakers fans, they they want a third scorer. And it kind of reminds me of what the Celtics were lacking the past couple years is, we needed that third consistent score, and now we have that in Porzingis and D. White now that he's starting. So uh, I think the Lakers could package things up and maybe go try to get a Levine, or I saw some rumblings of maybe DeJounte Murray, uh, but they're going to need that other score to go with AD and LeBron. Well, I think that's coming, Guillermo, and, and we can talk about that maybe in Lucky's list, uh, but this is uh, the lineup that the Lakers rolled out, probably because the Celtics are an offensive juggernaut, and yeah. also because Darvin Ham is a defensive coach, and he knows that LeBron James and Anthony Davis provide a lot of offense, but they need to guard, and so he, he rolled out this lineup, and it, it worked for a time. Celtics had that initial push. What was interesting was after coming out gunning and hitting on a lot of threes to start the game, the Celtics started to miss. And it wasn't just because of the defense. It was There were open looks that were being missed. 
Tatum was, you know, stepping into threes, which of course we hate, but there were just guys missing shots. And that's how the Lakers got back into the game. They go to the locker room at halftime. And in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, the Celtics, I mean, there were some possessions there that were just simply perfect. I mean, there was one that I remember pretty well where the ball moved around. All five players touched it. The Celtics got out into transition. It went from Holiday to Porzingis to Tatum to White. And on the closeout, you know, White did an up fake and just got his guy, it threw him into the stands and went in and made a layup. And that happened repeatedly. The Celtics got 16 makes out of 20 shots in the restricted area. Kristaps Porzingis went down and posted up. He's averaging 1.44 points per possession on post-ups. He's, he's phenomenal. And so whether it was Porzingis or guys getting to the rim, uh, they also got 14 free th- made free throws on something like 19 attempts. So basically, yeah, they, the threes weren't dropping, but they overcame that like they couldn't do against Golden State. The difference clearly is Porzingis, Guillermo. Yeah, Porzingis is huge. He just changes our offense entirely, and that's something I've been telling you since we got him, that it's just going to alleviate the pressure on everybody else. You put him at the top of the key or on those uh, elbows that Paul Pierce loved, and he just just changes the offense. All, every, all the defense is doing is looking at him and – if they're going to leave him one-on-one, I mean, he shot over Hachimura like he was 5'9". And then if not, then he's going to kick it out to somebody who's open. So, I mean, he's just tremendous to have on this team. Is definitely what we needed as terms of a floor spacer. I mean, he runs the floor really well as a big. He had a, a nice alley-oop dunk. Um, he's just tremendous to have on this team. And is a key focal point going forward uh, if the Celtics want to maintain this consistency. Well, if you're a Boston Celtics fan, period, but especially if you're a little bit older like me, you love to see them get out and run. And clearly when you have maybe the best transition finisher in the game in in Jalen Brown, another great one in Jason Tatum, that's great. Um, One of my favorite plays was the Celtics got the ball off of a, I think it was off of a miss, maybe a steal. Drew Holiday was coming down. The Celtics had, I think it was like a, a three-on-three or a, a two-on-two. But Kristaps Porzingis was trailing down the lane. And Drew just left him a little bounce pass. And he he went about 14 feet in two steps and made a layup. It was a phenomenal finish. There was another play where they threw it up ahead to Al Horford. And he made a wide-open three. The Celtics' 37-year-old big man is is beating the Lakers down the floor. Um, you know, it, it was a thing. It was a thing of beauty. The Celtics really used the transition game to run the tired Lakers off the floor. Yeah, it's exactly what we want to see. Every time we get a rebound, especially if it's in Jalen Brown's hands, I just want them to run because you're not going to let the defense get set. As you said, the Celtics are have great players who do well in transition. And if not, then we're going to have, you know, Al Horford at the top of the key or the I think he was on the left wing wide open for a three. 
And that's what we want. We don't want these defenses to start to slow us down and have us have Tatum just step into these threes and then come back and have to play defense. When the Celtics are running and gunning, they're nearly unstoppable. And they look different now because in years past, you'd see Jalen or Jason get a rebound. And, you know, a lot of times they would just bring it up themselves. No more. It doesn't really matter who gets the rebound now. They always look up and see if they can throw an outlet. So Tatum will get a ball and he'll see, you know, Derek White or Peyton Pritchard up ahead and he'll throw that pass. And they will keep advancing the ball with the pass, put pressure on the defense on the rim and then throw it back out. It it works very well with the shooters that we have. And, you know, there's a lot been written and said about the Celtics depth, but the Lakers, as you said, the the supposed deepest team in the league, they had this great off season. They're, they're playing. If I'm a Laker fan, I'm very concerned because they're playing LeBron and AD too many minutes at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw a note, sorry to cut you off, but I saw a note that, AD has played the second most minutes in the league so far. That was astonishing to me. It is astonishing, and it's a very bad recipe. The Celtics, you know, they can stagger their their stars. And, you know, as you know, we've got five of them plus Horford. And, you know, continue to put pressure. And LeBron James, he waved the white flag with about two minutes left. He took himself (laughs) out. Remember, there was a scary moment right before half where Sure. Jalen and LeBron both got hurt, and that was terrifying for fan bases of both teams. But the Celtics, you know, they they just basically ran the Lakers off the court with their transition game. And that's Celtic basketball. That's a facet of Missoula ball that we didn't see as much of last year. It's not just three-point shooting. Running is a great way to, number one, tire out the opposition. Number two, get into your offensive sets quicker if you're walking the ball up the floor. You notice we don't do that thing anymore where you inbound the ball and you, you know, basically let the, the clock run it while the ball uh, has yes, not been yes, touched. The, the We're not doing market, that anymore. The Marcus Smart trick. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing other teams do it. Missoula doesn't do it anymore. Celtics are getting the ball quickly because they want to see if they can get a good shot quickly. And if not, move the ball around until they get one. Offensively, a much smarter team, Guillermo. Yeah, I I have a few questions for you. I mean, so with what we've seen from the Celtics team so far, and you kind of hinted toward toward earlier, I think it's or don't you think it's mainly about trust? Like the Robert Williams and and Smart and even Brogdon. I mean, it was his kind of first year here. These guys. You had to gel with Brogdon a little bit, and he's coming off the bench. But Smart and Rob Williams weren't running the floor or hitting shots nearly as often as Holiday, White, and Porzingis are. So for the Jays, don't you think it's trust in terms of how they're running the offense and they don't really care who got the rebound or what what's going on? They're just going to push it, and they're going to trust – that everybody else is going to find the right spots to be in? I mean, absolutely. Drew Holiday being on the court is a much bigger trust factor. And yes, if you have Derek White instead of Marcus Smart, 
there's a huge trust factor there as well. And Rob Williams, God bless him. You know, we, we were really hoping to see his new and improved mid-range jump shot right. that, that he was working on in the offseason. Um, he's no Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, everybody on the floor in the Super 6, and to a lesser extent, you know, our 7th and 8th men in Hauser and Pritchard, they're trusted now. I yeah. mean, that's a big component of it. You know, another thing, too, is, it, you know, and there was a great interview in the Boston Globe. Adam Himmelsbach had a sit-down with Joe Mazzula. And basically he said, in, in talking about his growth as a coach, he said, you know, I'm not sweating as much about the results as I used to be. I, last year I might have worried, what happens if I lose, you know, three of the next mm, four or sure. have these games? He says, now – we embrace the results. We know that we have to go through some hard stretches as long as it takes. You know, we just, whatever happens, if we go through a losing streak, we embrace it and we learn from it. And, and I'm not going to worry so much about the results. Now, that's easy to say when you're 20 and four or whatever the record is. But yeah, the Celtics really have to, yeah, they really have to do that. And, you know, past Celtic coaches didn't have to deal with these, uh, manic fans on X and these other social media platforms calling for their head, you know, every time you lose two games or even one game, right? Missoula um, has the greatest, has the best coaching record in NBA history for the first 100 games. Celtics are 23 and six, best record in the NBA. And yet there are still people that don't think he should be the coach of this team. That number is getting smaller, but you know, I think that's a big sign of growth from the coach that he's just going to follow his plan. The players believe in to believe in him, and they're sticking to it. Uh, and they're not going to let a game like the Golden State game throw them off. Yeah, I love Missoula ball. It's refreshing to see. Yes, it may not be defensive oriented as Eme ball, but I I like the pace. I like the trust amongst the. Uh, one another on the teams and even like you said Pritchard and Hauser um and I'm confident in Missoula and the staff that they put around him and I'm just happy uh that this team is continuing to grow there's no turmoil at all the yes we had a two game skid early in the season but other than that I mean we may lose one and then we win six so so far, so good, and he's undefeated against the Lakers. So that's another chip in my book. Three and zero. I mean, that that makes him my favorite coach all time. I mean, even Red lost to the Lakers. By the way, uh, our tweet of the week is from Frosty Bias. Frosty Bias is one of the older guys. Uh, I think he calls himself that because of Len Bias, sadly. Uh, but he is a, uh, a a historian of sorts. He likes to post about the '80s Celtics and other guys. He tweeted out, uh, he's at Frosty Bias. My favorite Celts backcourt since DJ and Danny, a picture there of Bald Derek and Drew Holiday, uh, and they are amazing. By the way, the Celtics, number five defense in the NBA, Guillermo. Houston Rockets are number two. Celtics are number five. That's not bad. Not bad at all. I'll take it. When we come back, we'll talk more about Missoula Ball. And apparently some national analysts, including a former Celtic champion, don't believe in it. We'll talk about that. And also, what did Guillermo and the captain get for Christmas? 
we had a pretty good haul. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Captain Ron Flanders with Guillermo Diaz. Before we get into the segment, just want to thank you, the listeners, for continuing to spread the word about Lucky's Lounge, liking, subscribing, and giving us five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Of course, we're available wherever you can get podcasts. And really, we got a lot of great gifts for Christmas, which we're going to get into, Guillermo, but our greatest gift is the listeners, of course. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for continuing to listen and share. We truly appreciate everyone and hope everybody had a great holiday. Before we get into our gifts, because I'm sure everybody's waiting with bated breath, and we'd love to hear what you guys got for Christmas, you can email us, luckysloungepod at gmail.com, or DM us at luckysloungepod on X. A couple more Christmas tidbits, because as we talked about, LeBron was gunning for the most wins on Christmas Day, and we know he'll be playing on Christmas pretty much wherever he goes next season, whether it's Lakers or, or wherever he goes. Um, but uh, Jalen Brown is now 5-3 and three on Christmas, and Jason Tatum 4-3 and three on Christmas, and now all-time in the four matchups that the Celtics and the Lakers have played on Christmas, we are tied at two games apiece. The Lakers throttled us in 2008. Big games from Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol as uh, the Lakers defeated the NBA champions. We'll get into a little bit later how why that game was significant. It really wasn't. The Celtics were the best team in the NBA that year before Kevin Garnett blew out his uh, knee. And, and I think I just spoiled the ending of that, but we'll get into a little bit of the history there. I also wanted to say in terms of the deja vu with LeBron whining about his supporting cast, we saw that in 2018 when Isaiah Thomas and many other Cavs were shipped out of town and they brought in just enough to knock us out at game seven in Boston Garden, if you remember that, Guillermo. Yeah, try not to remember that one. But in 2007, it wasn't a Christmas game, but on December 30th, the new look Boston Celtics with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and uh, you know Rondo, Perk, Paul Pierce went into Staples Center and played the Lakers and destroyed them in that game. I was at that game. The Lakers came out in these throwback uniforms, and I think Kobe thought it might be cute if they wore the throwback shorts as well. So they came out in the old school shorts and uniforms. The Celtics were killing them. So at halftime, they switched back into their normal shorts. It wasn't good enough. The Celtics destroyed them in that game. But just a month or two after that, the Lakers were gifted a Hall of Fame big man in Pau Gasol at the trading deadline and, and were able to take that and get to the NBA Finals before the Celtics summarily destroyed them in the Finals. Uh, but then the following year, the Garnett injury would loom large. We'll get into that in a second, but I've been really curious because I, I actually had, for the first time in, in many years, a very good Christmas gift-wise. But let's start with you. Did you get any Boston Celtics-related gifts that you want to tell us about? Yeah, this also was probably the best Christmas I've had, not only because the Celtics beat the Lakers. Uh, I was gifted uh, this new 
JT black and green uh, JT ones that you bought. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some of those? Got some of those. They're nice, and right? Then, yeah, I love them. Love them. Can't wait to rock them at the garden. I got some awesome black Celtics sweats that I definitely want in Nike Celtics sweats. I got a Celtics pillow and I got a Celtics robe that I cannot stop wearing. Oh, man. I mean, I'd be wearing that, you know, to the grocery store. You know, I, <laughs> I, I get my wife gets on me all the time because I, I, I have these Celtic pajamas that I like to wear. I wear them everywhere. And uh, it's not I guess it's not cool for a 51 year old man to wear pajamas out in town. But I don't really care uh, it's what I like to do. <laughs> Uh, I saw that pillow, actually, that you, you sent me a picture. I have that same. It's like super soft, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've got that. Uh, so here's what I got. I got okay. two two boxes of basketball cards. Okay. Um, the Celtic warm-up pants that they were wearing on Christmas at the, at, at the Crypto.com Center. The same nice. ones. I got a pair of Celtic sweats because I need more sweats. I don't. I don't yes, wear sir. jeans. You know, I, I'll wear sweatpants or basketball shorts. Other than that, it's you know my navy uniforms. That's it. That's all I wear. Uh, I also got. Let's see. Did I say I got two boxes of basketball cards? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I, I already said that. And I got a plane ticket to Boston, a round trip yeah, ticket. Baby. So we are going to a game next month, and. Uh, I think that's about it. So very, very good. But I could have got nothing, and I would have traded it all in to get what we got <laughs> in L.A. with that win, you know, because that was the main thing. And, you know, the Celtics all-time, Guillermo, I don't know if you know this, but we've played 37 games on Christmas Day. And you're talking about the greatest franchise in the history of professional basketball. And yet, uh, and I think career – were the second winningest in terms of winning percentage behind the Spurs. Okay. Although, you know, we're rapidly regaining on them and we may be able to take the lead if, if things can, if Victor Wembiana cannot stay out of the way of the ball boy, but uh, <laughs> 37 games on Christmas, the Celtics have only won 17. That, that oh, last wow. game was our 17th win and our second against the Lakers. So it was good, but you know, Jalen Brown is five and three on Christmas. So he's, he's doing pretty well. Yeah, we got to get that above 500 in the next few Christmases. Uh, absolutely. Well, let's talk about Missoula Ball for a second, shall we? Yeah. This road trip, you and I both kind of knew that we weren't going to sweep this road trip. Three and I one, like I said. Three and one was great. And I was hoping for three and one as long as that one was not against the Lakers. So it was a, it was a yes, super road trip. I mean, most teams doing that Pacific Division gauntlet it's not the Northwest Division, but it's still a very tough road trip. And actually, we played the four best teams in the division because, as you'll hear next on Lucky's List, something is going terribly wrong in Phoenix. But we played those four teams. We won three. The Golden State loss was a disappointment. But as Joe Mazzula talked about, the team is learning to lose and actually get stronger by the loss. And I think that's what happened in the Golden State game, because in the following game, they did not have Jason Tatum, and they put up 144 points. And then in the game after that, they did not have Kristaps Porzingis, and they also put up 140-something points. And then against the Lakers, they had five starters with 18 or more points. 
The Celtics right now are the number three offense in the NBA. And that takes into account the torrid start by the Indiana Pacers. But number three, not bad. Missoula Ball is causing a lot of NBA analysts to either rethink their opposition to analytics and the three-point shooting or to double down. And we saw on Christmas at halftime of this game as the Celtics limped into the locker room with a one-point lead over the Lakers, both Screamin' A. Smith and Perk, Big Perk, went off on the Celtics and basically said, you can't win like this, Guillermo. Well, that's a lie. I mean, this team is 22-6. and 23-6. and 23-6. Okay, 23-6. and six. Best record in the league. Um, as you said, third in offense, fifth in defense. I mean, overall, it sounds good to me. Good basketball being played. Multiple players in double figures. You can win with, you know, players missing games. Um, just tremendous basketball so far with Missoula ball. Oh, absolutely. But remember, Joe Missoula, he was the all-star coach last year. The Celtics had the best record. They finished with 57 wins, which was, I think, one or two behind Milwaukee. And they were the number two seed in the East. When the conference finals came around, they had the best record of the four teams left standing. But they didn't make it. And some would say, and Kendrick Perkins would say, that this team cannot win in the playoffs like the way that they play. Now, there was a time, I mean, this road trip kind of, proved that they couldn't and then it proved that they can i mean (laughs) you know the golden state game i was thinking here we go again but as i said in the third and fourth quarters in los angeles christophs porzingis and drew holiday kind of showed that this team can do it guillermo if they're healthy yeah and that's the hard narrative that i've been trying to fight against Everybody that talks about the teams beforehand that Jalen and Jason have been on, this is a new team. And Holiday and KP changed the whole dynamic of this team. And along with having Derek White on the floor, Mr. Hopefully All-Star this year, Derek White, I mean, the guy is just tremendous. You have Holiday playing free safety. You have KP and White clogging up the paint. I mean, the block he had against LeBron with White right there, I mean, tremendous to have on this team. The defense is there. We know we're going to get offense from any of those five guys at any point in night. We can get 30 from them. And the bench is going to contribute. So this is a different team different coaching staff, and the way Missoula ball is played now, yes, are threes important, and does he want to shoot 50-plus threes? Maybe, per se, but if the threes aren't really there, this team is going to the paint and dominating on the paint. We see uh, both JB and JT on the block a lot more and going to the paint. I mean, how many great Jalen Brown dunks have we seen? And how much, you know, step fadeaways that have we seen from Tatum where he's just shooting over guys. So, yes, 
Missoula ball is about threes and running, but it's also about the margins and going to things that are successful, play in and play out. Like I believe they went to the same play three straight times because the Lakers couldn't figure out how to defend that play. And they just take what the defense giving them. Yeah. And in each of those instances, it was a different shot that they took because there were different actions related to that. And the Celtics, can kind of just read and react. You mentioned Derek White, and, and you know, we talked about Porzingis. We always deliberate after each game who's going to get the Shamrock show out, which you can see uh, at Lucky's Lounge Pod after every game. It was either going to be White or Porzingis. Here's something interesting about White, and we talked about why the smart trade was so big for the Celtics, because Derek White was not on the floor in crunch time a lot of last playoff run. Obviously, he right. was – in game six against Miami, but now he's on the floor whenever it matters. And Doc Rivers, um, who I think is one of the best color analysts in sports, uh, mentioned during the game that when things get bad for the Celtics and the game gets tight, they actually want the ball in Derek White's hands, and they run a lot of pick and roll with White. Listen to this. This is from Bobby Manning of CLNS, at Real Bob Manning. Uh, Boston is plus 10 net rating overall, which is incredible, right? But when Derek White is on the bench, they're only plus 2.9. If you look at all of the players on the Celtics, uh, their offensive rating is the lowest when Derek White is not on the floor. He's probably our MVP right now, Guillermo. He's making a lot of incredible plays. I want to give you one more little tidbit on White, and then and then I want to get your reaction on this. Um, and this is from Boston Sports Info on X. It, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's at Boston Sports Inf, so let's roll with it. Yeah, he's in great. The, in the first 26 games of a season, in the three-point era, okay? So this is from 1979-80 to today. Players who've had 125 or more assists, 100 or more rebounds, 30 or more blocks, 30 or more steals, shooting 47.5% from the field, 40% or better from three, and 80% or better from the free throw line. Here are the players who have done that. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Derek White. Yeah, I saw that. That post by uh, Boston Sports Inf. I mean, tremendous. It's tremendous to have a player who can, who not can do it all, who does it all night in, night out. I mean, he sits in the corner and just waits for that ball, splashes a three. He can run the offense by driving in and kicking out. I mean, he's going to get a steal. He's going to get a block almost each and every game. It's just tremendous to have an X factor that doesn't miss games unless he has the birth of a child and is just consistent. He's just consistent each and every night and knows where to be. John Corrales tweeted out, you know, after the Knicks' impressive win against Milwaukee, He said that every time Jalen Brunson has a good game, that hurts Derek White's chances to be an all-star. That may be true. Um, I, you know, we responded. I know one thing that decreases Brunson's chances is Derek White, you know, 
winning games on the NBA's biggest stage and got into it with some fan who said that, you know, Derek White is clearly behind and he listed about six or seven big name guards. And it's true that some of these guys like Darius Garland, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Maxi, Damian Lillard, they're all phenomenal offensive players. But I think what makes the difference, I mean, Derek White is no slouch on offense. He's shooting 40% from three. Uh, he's been phenomenal. But defensively, I mean, as Frosty Bias points out, both of our guards could be all defense. Maybe first team, Guillermo. They're that good. Yeah, I mean, for Derek White, he has 14 blocks in his last five games. That's the most blocks by a guard in a five-game span in NBA history. Since they've like, been tracking blocks. That's that's correct, incredible. Correct. Like, that's tremendous. Incredible. And they're not, I mean, some of them are chase downs, but as you saw, I mean, on Austin Reeves, he comes in right down to the front of the rim, and, and White gets up there and rejects him. I mean, it, it truly is phenomenal, and it's one of the reasons, along with Porzingis and how he changes the offense, that I feel really good going forward. Real quick, let's let's talk about history for just a second. As we have established, the Celtics at 23-6, and six, best record in the NBA, number five defense, number three offense, number two in net rating behind only Philadelphia, which... You know, their schedule is, as we saw on Christmas, they're, you know, now they're starting to play some of the better teams, and we may see that come down to earth. But our numbers look really good, our record best in the league. And so you'd feel pretty good about that. Well, how much after 29 games does a record of 23 and 6 predict success, you might ask? I asked, so I went and looked it up. There have been 53 teams that have had a record better than this. And I would say less than half or about half won the championship. But let's just talk about Celtic teams, okay? The 2008 Celtics were the last championship team. They were 26 and 3 at this point. So we're we're not quite keeping pace with them, but pretty good, right? Pretty good. 2009 Celtics were a game better. They were 27 and 2 over their first 29 games and then they lost on Christmas to the Lakers. They ended up not even making the conference finals though because of a Garnett injury. The 1973 Celtics were 26 and 3. Didn't make the NBA finals because of a John Havlicek dislocated shoulder. The 1962 and 60 Celtics we're both 25 and 4. They won the championship. Bill Russell, okay. 2011, 24 and 5. Dwayne Wade body slams Rondo, ruins his arm. They don't make it out of the, the Eastern Conference semis. Larry Bird in 1991, on his last legs, they were 24 and 5. Did not make it out of the second round. Uh, and then la- in 2018, we had Kyrie out, Hayward out, still went 23 and 6. And made it all the way to a Game 7 at home against Cleveland, but did not win. My point here, Guillermo, is this. The the 2008 Celtics, the 2009 Celtics, the 1973 Celtics, and maybe this team all look like surefire championship teams, if not contenders. 
two of those teams, well, one of those teams won the championship, two didn't. And the reason those two teams did not was because of injury. And it's clear to me, plain as day, that the X factor on this team is Kristaps Porzingis. But it could be anyone. We saw Jalen Brown go down in the second quarter against LeBron James, and you know I couldn't breathe for about 30 seconds. So that caveat still exists. But the Celtics have had to play nine different starting lineups, and they've proven that they can get through the short-term injuries, Guillermo. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest thing in terms of allowing us to compete for a championship. It's going to be health. I mean, if these guys are healthy, I don't see any other team that can beat them in a seven-game series. And it's great that, you know, these guys can miss a game or two and we can put somebody else in there like Stevens or Banton or Hauser or even Al Horford off the bench and we can just stay consistent and continue to rack up W's and these guys can get back to being healthy. I guess we'll, we'll talk about this throughout the season, but just we'll, we'll do a little temperature check, Guillermo. Do you feel like this team, let's assume that, you know, we, we won't make any assumptions about health, but do you feel like after what you saw on this road trip that you trust Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett to get the job done in, in their whatever role they have in the playoffs? And do you trust this team with, with the with the bench that they have? I think once you hit the playoffs, it'll go down to eight, maybe seven guys on any given night. And I think this team is capable of winning it all. Yes, I think if healthy, if we take that out, I think there's no team that can match up in seven games against these guys. I mean, we just saw on a West Coast road trip, they went 3-1, and one, and out of 197 minutes of basketball, they were down less than 17 minutes of those minutes. So, I mean, this team is really dominant, can win night in, night out, back-to-back or not, and just plug-and-play. So, yeah, I like I like our chances a lot this year. That's an incredible statistic. And most of those minutes, Guillermo, I think would have had to come in San Francisco against the Warriors. That's how dominant the Celtics were. Well, maybe nobody can beat us right now, but could somebody add a piece to take us down at the trade deadline? When we come back, Lucky's List. Who's out there that thinks they could add and some of the best teams may be lining up to make a move to beat the Celtics. We'll talk about that next when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Stay right there. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge and Guillermo, as we always do to start this segment, Lucky's hero for today. And, you know, fitting as we sit here and and give thanks for, for everything that, you know, we received over the holidays and the gifts we were able to give and the standard of living that we that we have, uh, we have to give thanks to the Navy. And uh, Lucky's heroes today are the crews of USS Mason, USS Kearney, and USS Laboon. These three ships, Guillermo, 
are part of Operation Prosperity Guardian. Are you tracking what's going on in the Red Sea? No, I am not. Give us an update. What we got? Well, the Red Sea is one of the choke points through which a lot of, you know, the, the uh, Bob El Mandeb and the Suez Canal are a couple of the choke points where a lot of the world's goods travel. And uh, there's some terrorists in Yemen called the Houthis who have been shooting missiles and drones at some of the commercial shipping going through. And so the United States and, and the United Kingdom and about six, seven other countries have banded together to essentially protect the shipping to go through there to make sure that all of the goods that we buy and, and the energy that the world depends on can get through these, these choke points. And uh, you don't think about it when you're sitting there having Christmas dinner or opening gifts, but somewhere tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, there's going to be men and women on U.S. Navy ships, Royal Navy ships, uh, Greek Navy ships that are out there 24 hours a day uh, keeping, the, keeping the goods flowing, keeping free trade going through. And really, it's the ocean upon which America's prosperity depends. And so we thank the Lucky's heroes on those three ships and really sailors and Marines in our in our great military who do that job. Yeah, truly blessed to have those men and women doing those jobs for us and uh, protecting our waters out there overseas. Let's get to Lucky's list. Uh, the first item, we were normally going to have an update on the main Celtics. They haven't played any additional games over the holidays. They did make a trade where they sent out Taylor Funk and the rights to Luka Simonich, and I believe they got a player or two from the Cleveland G League franchise. But what I really wanted to talk about is this road trip, we had all three of our two-way players on the West Coast with the Celtics. And we can't say enough about Namias Keda, who has been pressed into the backup center role and did a phenomenal job all trip. But also the newest Celtic, SoCal native Drew Peterson, has not missed a shot yet in green, Guillermo. Yeah, number 13, Drew Peterson coming in and hitting that top of the key three. Uh, it was good to see him and Davison get some run towards the end of that Kings game. And, yeah, we've loved Kada ever since we got him. And I knew or I believed in him blossoming into the player he's starting to blossom into. and. The Celtics want him to be uh, a Rob William kind of 2.0 type player, and he's, he's proving to be that. He can do some of those things. Now, he's only played nine or ten games for the Celtics, and as you pointed out, Guillermo, he can play up to – let me pop a Guinness here. He can play up to 65 games as a two-way player. But I think that – you know, they could very easily, with an open roster spot, convert him to a full player if they think he's that guy for the playoff run. Do you think he's that guy? I, I tend to think we might sign somebody else or trade for somebody else. I want to see a little bit more as we go throughout the season. Let him either get some run with these uh, Celtics or the main Celtics. Keep him fresh and, and kind of witty as far as basketball um but i even if they did add down the line i mean it's, it'd have to be 
a veteran savvy player who can fit in right away because we don't need any real ball dominant person and we don't need somebody to just stick in there like a drumming and rebound and maybe get some blocks and fouls like we need actual players who have high IQ and can play basketball with the other four players on the court. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on that later in Lucky's List. But uh, our three two-way guys getting some valuable experience. Jordan Walsh as well was up for this road trip and got to be in uniform and, and learn from uh, this very important road trip. Uh, a lot of people were upset that Peterson got to play and he didn't. But Peterson's a four-year college player, 24 years old. Walsh is 19. Uh, he will get his shot. Item number two on Lucky's List. They have made history, the Detroit Pistons last night, losing their 27th consecutive game, setting the all-time record for most consecutive losses within one season. But as we've told you before, the record over two seasons is 28, and they will have a chance to equal that at Boston Garden tomorrow night, Guillermo. Uh, What's going on with the Pistons? Yeah, I mean, they just can't figure it out. Uh, those guys look like a G League team at this point. It's really surprising, especially with having a two-time coach of the year in Monty Williams, having a number one pick in Cade Cunningham, and, and having some young guys who I really like, like Duran, Ivy. Uh, it's just surprising for them to have this stretch. And their next game is against the Celtics. All the Celtic fans on X are, are scared of this game and thinking it's a trap game and where the Celtics may lose. But I, I think that losing streak will continue for those Pistons. I'll have more to say on that one. I, I tend to agree with those folks. But let's move on to item number three <laughs> on Lucky's List. And, uh, you know, the Grizzlies star Ja Morant uh, was named the – Western Conference Player of the Week. The Grizzlies won the first three games he played. But the real story in Memphis is the return of Marcus Smart from his ankle injury. And Guillermo, last night, uh, the Grizzlies win again. Their fourth consecutive win, a 116-115 overtime win in the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. Guillermo, a week ago, they had less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs. It's now up to 4%. They haven't lost since Morant came back. And Marcus Smart last night had five steals and took a key charge from Zion Williamson to ice the game. What do you think? You you said last week you thought they could come back and make the play-in game. Uh, I'm starting to think they might. Yeah, I really like how that team plays. I really like their head coach, Jenkins. Uh, I think they can definitely make some noise. They're getting healthy. Um, We saw, like you said, smart five steals, a block, and all over X and everybody saying Marcus Smart, doing Marcus Smart things. Um, It's great to see him healthy, drawing a charge, like you said. I, I think they can make some noise and definitely continue to win. You just had John Morant be honored by... Uh, being the player of the week for the Western Conference, 4-0 since he's back. Uh, I think they won't continue to be on a winning streak, but I think they can definitely make some noise. 
Well, let's stay in New Orleans where that game was played. Um, and by the way, Thursday night, tomorrow night, uh, the Grizzlies will be at mile high. They will be playing up in Denver against the world champions. If they win that, the hype machine, the hype train is really going to take off, but we will have to see. Uh, also in New Orleans, item number four on Lucky's list, Zion Williamson. It was reported this week that Zion Williamson, and this was reported by Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic, he has a max contract with the Pelicans, an extension that he just signed in the summer of 22. Uh, it's kind of unique based on the number of games played. And, and a lot of the Celtics have deals like this. I think Jalen Brown has an incentive laden contract as well, but this one's truly unique because he did not play the requisite number of games. Zion Williamson's contract after next year from 25 to 28 have been basically non-guaranteed. So under the, over those three years, Zion would make about $135 million. That money is no longer guaranteed, according to this report. And in order to get it re-guaranteed, which he can do, uh, during the 24-25 season, his body fat percentage and his weight combined can cannot add up to more than 295. This is crazy. I mean, this is like an NFL contract, Guillermo. Yeah, it's sad that it had to get to this point for Zion, and I don't see him regaining that guarantee of the contract. Uh, but I also don't see the Pelicans moving on from him, especially for nothing um, in any of those uh, years after uh, but it's an interesting contract to be out there. If he continues to bloat and doesn't stay in at least basketball shape, maybe they do just let him walk into free agency. It's funny. My wife, you know, she doesn't watch much NBA. Uh, she, during Christmas, she just kind of stayed away because she knew it was the Lakers and things might be thrown around the room. So she kind of stayed out of there. But two players that she always takes notice of, LeBron James and Zion. And for whatever reason, she sees Zion doing a Mountain Dew commercial or she sees him on the sidelines, usually in street clothes. And she always comments on his weight and says, that guy's too fat to be an NBA player. And I always go, well, he's, he's kind of a unique guy, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the court. And, and we'll have to, to see what happens with him. He's played pretty well, though, this year. Item number five on Lucky's list. The Phoenix Suns, Guillermo, this was a team that after they made the deal for Bradley Beal, a lot of people said would be favorites to win the NBA championship. Um, something has gone terribly wrong. They're not anywhere near the Vegas favorites. And now there are rumblings out of the Valley of the Sun that Kevin Durant is very disappointed with his team. Wow, that didn't take long. Yeah, you can't just throw names together on a roster and think it's going to flourish. Uh, I know they've been battled by injuries, but who hasn't been? And they're still trying to figure out how to play with one another. Um, the Celtics were able to do that fairly quickly. Um, I still think they will be a playoff team and perhaps make some noise second round or something like that. But, 
it's it's interesting to see these guys. I mean, Kevin Durant has just hopped around the league anyway. So when he's upset, who cares? I mean, he's just going to figure out what other team he can do the same thing with and join other superstars. So I'm not too worried about it. You know, it's sad. It's sort of like a LeBron James type legacy where, you know, I mean, no matter what he does in his career, and remember, this is a two-time finals MVP, um, there will always be sort of a tarnished legacy with him because he couldn't beat the Warriors, so he joined them. Then he went to the Nets, created this super team thing, got his wish to get Harden in there, destroyed the Nets, set them back a few years. Then he goes to the Suns, and, you know, he could – he could demand a trade. Who knows? I mean, this is a guy, Guillermo, at 35 years of age that wants to win again. And if it's not with the Suns, he won't be long for them. So we'll have to stay tuned. But this is a, a team that traded away all of their depth. And so uh, they haven't really had those three guys together for more than one or two games this year. Well, Bradley Beal had better get healthy and, and we'll see. But it's not looking good for Phoenix this year. Item number six. Unlucky's Lounge, and it involves the Lakers. We talked about them and LeBron being unhappy. And you mentioned a couple of names, Zach Levine and DeJounte Murray. I got to think, Guillermo, that the Lakers are going to make a trade for somebody if things continue. And, and what nobody's talking about, I mean, they've had some good stretches early in the season. They had that big win against Oklahoma City. But the minutes that LeBron and Davis are having to play – this is how they are when they've really been healthy all year. But what if one of them misses time? I mean, that's not unheard of. Um, Lakers could be in real trouble. And I see them making a move. Uh, the, the agents of DeJounte Murray and Zach Levine, are they both represented by Rich Paul? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I th- I'm pretty sure Murray is. And I, I want to say Levine is too, which means, you know, I mean, Rich Paul and LeBron James have a lot of say in what happens in, in El Segundo. So I, I could see one of those players being brought in, but who would they have to give up to get one of those players? Murray and Levine, Levine's making over $40 million a year and Murray's making pretty good coin himself over 30 million. Um, I would, I would have to say maybe Russell and Reeves go out to get one of those two players. I think they covet Reeves too much. I think it might be, a package of like Russell and Hachimura. Um, I know they really like Reddish and Vanderbilt. Maybe you throw in uh, Vincent, who hasn't really done anything for them this year so far. Um, but I don't foresee Rob Palinka and the Lakers doing really any big moves. I think he had his you know tweaks that he made last season for them. He had this past offseason. I don't think they want to continue to mortgage their future with their first-round picks because that's what they're going to have to do if they're going to go after a Murray or a Levine. And I don't think they really want to do that. So I don't think they'll do any major moves. It might be a small move here and there. Um, but And definitely maybe on the buyout market, to add a, a veteran to who doesn't want to, I guess, play with LeBron and AD in LA, but I don't think they'll do any big moves uh, for this season. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. Um, I, 
I think they could because LeBron is on a player option for this year. Rob Palenka has been pretty smart about what he's done this past offseason by not committing too much. They don't have a ton of draft capital, but look, this is L.A. And the Clippers right now are a little bit ahead of the Lakers, and they got a new building. And I think there's going to be pressure from the Lakers' ownership to make a move. And, you know, if the Lakers are smart, I agree with you. They don't give up too much. The Hawks gave up, I want to say, like three first-round picks in the DeJounte-Murray trade. I don't see them taking back a bunch of contracts without getting back some of that draft capital. So maybe it's Zach Levine. And and Zach Levine, to me, is not a player who moves the needle for Lakers or for anybody. No, not at all. I think... He's added scoring, and I mean, you see teams like even the Sixers kind of shying away from that. They want a two-way player. The whole league is that two-way. Yeah, it's offensive-driven as the league, but you still need defense to slow down some of those offenses like the Pacers. Yeah, Guillermo, it's all about defense in the playoffs, and those same Indiana Pacers went to Houston last night and defeated the Rockets, scoring 123 points, which is kind of unheard of against Ime Odoka's number two-ranked defense. So I have to say uh, you're right about that. And, you know, all teams should build their rosters a little bit differently for the playoffs than they do the regular season, which brings us to item number seven on Lucky's list, the Celtics roster and trade targets for Brad Stevens. It was reported this past week that in addition to the aforementioned beef stew of the Pistons, who is no doubt going to be on the market, that perhaps Danny Ainge is dangling Kelly Olynyk for a team that is clearly not competing for a playoff position this year. Kelly Olynyk is a guy that, you know, unlike maybe a Luke Cornett, an Amias Keda, or even a beef stew, has been there, done that. We all remember his legendary Game 6 performance against the Wizards. Uh, what do you think about this rumor? Uh, I I mean, I've always liked Kelly Olenek. He's a serviceable big. I think, you know, he'll do okay. But for the Celtics, where I stand right now, I'm in love with the bench. I'm in love with the progress. I don't want Beef Stew. I don't want Kelly Olenek. I don't want Alec Burks, who I've heard of uh, being mentioned. I don't want Tory Craig. The only player out there who I might think about is a Caruso, which it doesn't seem the Bulls want to move on from. So I'm okay with what Brad has put together for this season. Yeah, and the Bulls may not be ready to throw the – the towel in on this season yet as they win again last night. They're only a few games under 500. Um, any of these players for the Celtics, whether it's Olenek or Stewart, in a trade could be difficult. Remember, the Celtics cannot get a buyout player who made more than $12 million on his contract. So a lot of the star or, or really strong role players that get bought out, Boston may not be in the market for them. To get Kelly Olenek, the Celtics would no doubt have to get rid of Peyton Pritchard and possibly as many as three other bench players. You'd have to send out $11 million in salary. And uh, I I just think it might gut the character of this team, even though I do think Kelly would be a great fit for Missoula Ball. 
but uh, it may be a bridge too far. Let's go to item number eight on Lucky's list. And uh, Guillermo, let's talk about the week ahead. You had mentioned during the break to me uh, something about the Celtics' strength of schedule. Yeah, so the Celtics at 23 and 6 have had the toughest schedule so far. And for their remaining games, they now have the easiest schedule for the rest of the season. That's that's interesting. Um, and I know we're, you're going to get to the week ahead. I'll just say this. that That is true, and the Celtics have – you know, played Philadelphia three times, the Knicks three times. Those are two very solid teams. We've played the Magic a couple of times. They're very good. Um, we've played the Timberwolves once. Uh, I will just say this. Some of the teams that are on our schedule that don't have a great record are going to be better than they currently are. Uh, we talked about the Grizzlies. They're 9-19. and 19. We play them again. We, the Suns could get healthy. We play them twice. Um, and out east, you know, that there are some teams near the bottom that we haven't played as much. You, you know, Philadelphia has gotten fat off of the Washingtons and Detroits of the league. I guess we got the Pistons in here tomorrow night. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't really pay, give much stock to any of that because, uh, as we saw in Charlotte, we could lose to any team. And, um, you know, Joe Mazzula is going to have them focused. I, I'd rather have that stat than having the hardest schedule ahead because, you know, teams like Philadelphia are going to find out that, that you know, uh, or Milwaukee actually is another team that has had kind of an easier schedule, are going to find out that it's a little bit tougher. But um, it's it's always move on to the next game and, and, and be ready for the challenges, which include the Pistons, Guillermo, who, who do we have in the week ahead before our next show? What 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 Celtics are coming home where they're undefeated and uh and so that makes the next game always the most important game. All right, yeah, so to wrap up 2023, uh the Celtics will be playing against the Pistons uh, at home on Thursday night and then have a back-to-back where they're at home playing against the Toronto Raptors. And then on so New- Pistons Garden. Thursday, Pistons Thursday at the Garden, Raptors Friday at the Garden. Correct. Well, that sucks. And I then, hate the back to backs. <laughs> and then on uh, New Year's Eve, we'll have we'll be the Celtics will be traveling to San Antonio on uh, the thirty first to play against. Oh, sorry, the the Spurs on the 31st, and then uh, wrap up the road trip in Oklahoma City on January 2nd. Okay, well, let's let's talk about uh, this Pistons game because some people on the internet thinking it's a trap game. It absolutely is a trap game, Guillermo. (laughs) I mean, first of all, you know, listen, you know (laughs) the history – of not only the Celtics, but all teams in the East, when they go out to California and they play all these, you know, games on the West Coast, the first game back in Boston is always like a road game for starters. Okay. Then you're going to have, you know, a Thursday night crowd, which is not usually the best or the loudest. Um, A lot of people that got tickets for, for their families as Christmas gifts to see, you know, the Pistons game, which they think is going to be an easy win. And these are some of these are some of these fans are casuals. 
Um, we could lose a little bit of our advantage, but mainly I just think the team could be tired. They could be distracted. And it's a game that everybody expects them to win. Meanwhile, the Pistons, they're going to play their best game because if they lose this game, they will have the worst streak in NBA history of 28 games in a row. They have the worst streak for one season, but if they lose tomorrow night against the Celtics, that will tie them with the 76ers for worst of all time. And they will go down in history as the worst team in NBA history if they don't win tomorrow night. So you're telling me a team that has lost 27 straight is going to play the number one team in the league at their house where they've won 14 in a row and they're going to come in after two days off for the Celtics. They're going to come in to Boston and beat the Celtics. I'm saying that it could I'm saying that it could happen. I'm not saying that it will happen. How so last night the Pistons lost. It was Correct. a one possession game with 30 seconds left. Okay. To How whom? many points to whom? Okay, the Nets. I I'll give you that. How many <laughs> points did Cade Cunningham have in that game? What, 31? I'm not 41. Sure. Okay. And oh by the way, you know, for most of this streak, like the first 22 games, um, Bojan Bogdanovic was not, he did not play. Okay. And we know what he can do to the Celtics. I'm not saying that it's going to be a loss. I'm just saying the Celtics had better have their guard up for that game. I think Joe Mazzula and this Boston Celtics team always have their guard up. And I think the Celtics trounce the Pistons and win by 20. You know, you've been pretty good on some of these predictions. <laughs> I called four <laughs> no, and I called three and one. You know, it's funny because I went back just to see some of these predictions. I went back and listened to a couple of our earliest shows. Yeah. And uh, we've we've been actually been pretty good, not only with, you know, things that the Celtics were going to do, but like after the Brogdon trade didn't go through and I mean – we we kind of nailed a lot of stuff. I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to have to I'm going to have to hope that you're right on that. But I will say <laughs> that th this game is not going to be as easy as a lot of fans think. Well, final thing tonight, Guillermo. This is the last show of our first year, the tw the 2023, and we started our show with me saying that the trading of Malcolm Brogdon meant that Marcus Smart was safe. And uh, by the end of the show, <laughs> or by the by the next week's show, we had basically, you know, soured a lot of listeners on us. Uh, but what do you? What are your three best takeaways from 2023? And what are you hopeful for in 2024? My three takeaways from 2023: uh, Joe got a solid coaching staff around him. Um, and then Brad cooked this offseason by adding Porzingis and Holiday. And then these guys, the coaching staff and the players, have gotten together. Everything has gelled really well. And as we close 2023, the Celtics are the number one team in the league. Hmm. I'm going to have a little long-winded way of, of getting around to this, but um, three takeaways for me from 2023. Um, at my wedding, Guillermo, uh, the song 
that my wife and I danced to, the first dance song, mm-hmm. was a country song played by Rascal Flats, and uh, it's titled God Bless the Broken Road. Um, basically, it's a guy saying that, you know, all of the heartbreaks I had in my life led me to you. And so God blessed that broken road. And uh, I think that's fitting here for the Celtics, because one of my takeaways is the devastating loss to the Miami Heat in 2023. Uh Derek White, his heroics, which have already put him in Celtics lore, but also what that series told Brad Stevens, which is we got to pull the plug on this team. And he did that. And the broken road, the last two heartbreaks, you know, game, game four in Boston against the Golden State Warriors, game seven down in also in Boston against the Miami Heat, uh, led us to Kristaps Porzingis and eventually uh, Drew Holiday. So I'm going to take away the Miami series, the trades for Porzingis and Holiday. Um, and, uh, and also Joe Missoula, right? Joe Missoula and his growth as a coach. Those are the three things I'm taking, which lead me to 2024. And, you know, this is championship or bust. And so that's what I hope for in 2024. And as I said, um, I will join Derek White in the uh, Hair Care for Men Club. The, I will <laughs> shave my head and I will run a half marathon with you somewhere there in New England uh, if we can get it done. Well, that's it for our show this week. We hope you had a Merry Christmas, and uh, we hope you close out 2023 in a very safe and joyous fashion. We'll see you next year here on Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo, you got any plans for New Year's? Hosting at my house and just counting to 321. Happy New Year 2024. Let's hang a banner this year. My plans for New Year's Eve involve watching a game. Uh, against the San Antonio Spurs. Yes, sir. And uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. I will stay up. I, you know, I will watch Ryan Seacrest and you know whatever, and uh, have some grapes with my wife. Uh, but at twelve oh one, I'm I'm going down and <laughs> and getting ready for a, another day at the office. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I think this is about our thirtieth show, and uh, we'll see you next year. Please continue to spread the word and uh, be safe out there. Go Celtics. We'll see you next week.